It's the doc and the deacon, stethoscope and hope, talking everything from poop to the pope. One believing in spiritual miracles, the other believes in movement bowels that are irritable. Two dads, more like two brothers, and they breaking bread like the Last Supper. This show won't get negative feedback, that be like the deacon prescribing a Z-Pack. So don't get it twisted like a Philly pretzel, Foles already told y'all that Philly special. Take notes from the knowledge they're teaching, pay attention, it's the doc and the deacon speaking. Welcome to Doc and the Deacon, a podcast about two dads. One of us believing in the power of science. One of us believing in the power of Jesus. Both of us believing in the power of an ice cold beer. You know what? I love the fact that we can drink beer. But now Americans are worried about their freedoms being taken away. Well, I think they've always been worried about that. Isn't that the reason for the Bill of Rights? I guess so. I guess so. When President Benjamin Franklin first introduced the Bill of Rights, uh, I think... It was important, and that's why America has always been attached to <laughs> You realize that Benjamin Franklin was never our president. I know. I'm just kidding. But do you know how many people are probably like, oh, yeah, he was the best president? Well, the doc realized that that was not <laughs> the case. There's definitely somebody out there that heard that and was like, oh, yeah, remember President Franklin? So we've, we've brought on a new social media boss babe expert, Brie. And recently... Social media... Boss Babe Expert Brie. Yes. So S you know what we needed? B B E B. Oh my gosh. I, I guess. S M B B E B Smabab. Because we needed to start doing TikToks as well. Yes. What well, oh, what? Why do we need to start doing TikToks? We didn't. But I will tell you, she works in an office. Have I been on any of these TikToks? Yes, you've been in all of them. Did I sign my permissions? Did I give did I authorize this transaction? When we, I feel like my identity's been stolen. Held that ball between our chest and turn and spun to Adele, and then you crawled in between my legs. On the yes. other side. But now people feel like that was a little shared. making them wear. <laughs> it's not shared. That sounded like the shit because it gave you that. You sounded like shared. Yes, sure. So people now feel like if you ask them to wear a mask in an office, you're taking away their personal freedoms. But what they don't realize. Is that on January 17th, 1920? Yeah. Freedoms were taken away in this country. And we had the 18th Amendment, the Volstead Act, that took away the ability to sell alcohol, to make alcohol. And that is a time where a real freedom was taken away. And it's time for us to discuss prohibition and what happened and why did prohibition happen and thankfully, why did it go away? Well, I think it's. Uh- it's interesting because, I mean, you started talking about the masks and I, I think people forget, you know, things are put in place for protection, right? It's like, I know masks don't look cool, but neither does dying from COVID, yes, right? That's not yes. a good look. Just like I tell my kid, you know, uh, she'll walk out of the house with short sleeves, sh- shirt on and it's 18 degrees. And I'm like, bro, you need a jacket. She's like, jackets aren't cool. And I'm like, neither is pneumonia. Yeah, well, prohibition is something that happened okay. starting in the late 1800s with the women's Christian temperance movement. The Christian women's oh, oh, temperance I feel it. movement. No, here we go. You know what's coming. Here we there go. were a lot of reasons that they <laughs> thought we should have prohibition. Bring it on. Okay. First is, at this time in the world, mm-hmm. women weren't really out drinking. When men went out to drink, sometimes they would get free lunch to convince them to stay there longer and be something salty to make them drink more. Ooh. And then there were like concerns Did they that, have yeah, yeah, that yeah, drinking was a sin. Maybe alcoholism was a worry they had. 
also family violence, intimate partner violence, which we now screen for. Yeah. I'm trying to remember to screen for in everyone. And there was a lot of saloon-based political corruption. Saloons were a place where people got together and sometimes bad decisions were made. And so a lot of these different groups got together and religious factions that fought for this uh, Volstead Act, the well, 18th I- Amendment, where it took away one of your rights. What it took away the ability to do was you could drink any alcohol you already had. So rich people. So anything time, you already had. Yeah, yeah. So well, the president. This is in 1920. Oh, the presidents had things stocked and taken to a separate place so they could drink their alcohol at another at another time. Anything greater than 05 percent was not allowed. Mm. Yeah, 05 percent. So ten proof? No, they had one proof. Well, they allowed you to make wine and cider out of your home, but that really, it actually negatively affected the wine industry for years. Their ability to grow grapes the right way was destroyed. And the reason American wines aren't famous because for so long, well, okay. the well, time I mean, of prohibition, it threw things off. American wines And, and you know who should blame? Carrie Nation. Have you heard of her? Carrie? Oh. So is that the girl? She went to the prom? No, that's she Carrie lost her- from the movie Carrie. No. This is a woman, she went to the saloon, and she went with a hatchet, and she, like, was destroying bars. Sometimes you'd walk out of the saloon after a nice afternoon like of drinking Like the bar beer. itself? Oh, yeah. She destroyed it. She destroyed... She was arrested over 30 times. Wow. And, and she would walk out... How did, she would, get, how did she afford the bail money? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm sure that the groups that she was fighting against alcohol use with helped bail her out. You would walk out, and there would be women praying for you and praying mm. for your soul as you walked out at this time. Well, I would agree with that. Listen, I will pray for your soul right now. People say, why did this happen? Okay, why did it happen? I, let me be one of those people. Why did this happen? First, there were some anti-immigrant thoughts. People coming to America were coming from Ireland. They were coming from Germany. They They're were my coming people. They're Italy. my people. Yeah, well, uh, at this point, we were about to start a war with Germany. And uh, the Germans were not very well liked at this point. The Irish thought to be a little bit wild and crazy, bringing alcohol. And the Italians were uh, definitely thought to bring wine. So this happens, right? Okay. All of a sudden, you can't drink. Uh, Maryland and New York refused to police prohibition. And the federal government had to come in. The Bureau of Prohibition. So not the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. They actually had a Bureau of Prohibition. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember that show that was on HBO? Boardwalk Empire. Okay. Oh, that's what that was about? <laughs> yeah, that's what that was about. You know, I don't think I've seen it. Oh, it was a fantastic show. It was a fantastic show. Not only that, the government got so crazy with this that at one point, they ordered poisons to be put into alcohol that was used to like clean things. They had industrial alcohol, which is usually ethyl alcohol. Right. They had methyl alcohol added in. And methyl alcohol would cause poisonings. And so they knew people still were going to try to drink no matter what. And they added this poison in. And it led to over 10,000 people being poisoned by the American government from drinking alcohol that was poisoned. Oh, my God. Well, you know, and I think that's, that's where you – that's some of the fears because we've had other things since then that have come along that were not regulated, right? And we have seen, you, you know, the, the dilution of those things, like how they became diluted and how they were used. And I'm not talking – uh, specifically, uh, what do they call those illegal drugs? The ones that are really strong, like cocaine. Opiates, controlled medicines. Controlled substances. Yeah, illicit, illicit, illicit substances. Illicit controlled substances, yes. Um, you know, I, th- I think of marijuana 
when I think of the road, the path that it has taken. So I remember when I first met marijuana, I was just a young boy. Um, and he had never, he was misunderstood. And, and all the doctors, you know, didn't like him. They didn't want to talk about him. They put him off in the corner. The church didn't want to talk about him. They didn't even want to acknowledge him. You keep him out of here. Because what was marijuana called? The gateway the drug. The gateway drug, It wasn't right? the gateway to Jesus. Yeah, it wasn't the gateway to Jesus. No, it was the, it was ga- the gateway to hell. It was the gateway to cocaine. It was yeah. the gateway to drinking more alcohol. It was the gateway to playing video games all night and eating Cheetos. But now we found out how misunderstood marijuana was. I think as marijuana matured, uh, I think he got older and he said, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to be the same guy I was. In fact, I'm going to come to you. Uh, I'm going to clean up. And I feel like marijuana has a tuxedo on now. And he's like at the black tie dinners. Right. And you're seeing people use it in different forms, not just uh, I mean, the edible community is huge. <laughs> the edible marijuana community. Yeah. Is huge? I mean, yeah. think about edibles to 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 counteract anxiety for sleep, for pain, so many things. And they have so many uh, less side effects than some of the other things we were prescribing. In fact, didn't they used to use alcohol as a prescription at one point? They sure did. So when. Alcohol became illegal with the Volstead Act. It actually... What do you think alcohol was like as a young man? What do you mean, as a young man? Well, because we just talked about how marijuana grew up and got in a tuxedo. What do you think uh, alcohol was like as a young man? Was he angry? You mean the alcohol I had? Like my first Boone's Farms or my first Labatt Blue that was warm sitting in a garage? You had a warm Canadian beer? Oh my gosh. I mean, you drank whatever you could when you were like 18, 19 years old. I remember the first time I had that little fridge in college and I could get cold beers. And by the time I finished the cold beers, we had to move warm beers in to get them more cold. Right. I mean, there were way too many times that I tried to snarf down one. But I think that alcohol was the life of the party forever. The alcohol was Joe Cool forever, but just in different versions until... So alcohol was... Until Frank religious people came and took it from us. Oh, so now you're in blaming... In 1920. You're blaming... So, we, gave them, we gave you alcohol... And said, listen, you want to be closer to Jesus, It was called the sin tax. Whiskey was called the sin tax, especially in people in western Pennsylvania. They called it the dry crusades and mostly some of the Methodists and the Protestants. Aren't you a Protestant? I am a Protestant. Uh, But remember, there's... Can you apologize to me now for what you did to people from 1920 to 1933? Remember, there's a couple of different types of... Are you saying sorry or are you not going to say sorry? We talk about... Here's what I'd like to say. Here's like, this is what I'm going to talk about. Instead of saying sorry, this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to say that I'm sorry if you were affected in any way by the prohibition. Well, actually, my great-grandparents didn't give fetal alcohol syndrome because it was illegal. So it actually probably worked out pretty well. I may not have been a doctor. You know, Paul... My family's very Irish from Cork County, Ireland. That's right. Yeah. Well, Paul talked about it And they all lived like... My grandmother, Katie, yeah. lived to like 96, 98, and they had a certain amount of alcohol they would let her drink every night, and she had to have like a, it on her orders in the nursing home. Yeah. And, you know, she finished her dinner, and all she cared about was getting her little bit of booze, and she loved it, and she lived, a, you know, a long time, and that doesn't mean alcohol is good because it's not good for you. But needless to say, shout out to Grandma Kate. My wife would tell me stories about when her, uh, her mom mom, uh, would drink highballs, which is just typically a vodka or a whiskey in a glass with some sort of carbonated drink, be it Coke, Sprite, tonic, you know, soda, whatever. And, you know, she was thirsty and, and she was asking for a drink and her mom mom wasn't listening. So she grabbed her mom mom's glass and took a sip 
And she said as soon as it hit the back of her tongue, she spit it out across the room. And her mom mom said, well, girl, I guess you'll learn. <laughs> yeah. You know, and she said that she, she never has been able to drink whiskey since. It's almost like when you gave my children one of those fake ghost pepper chips later today. And oh, they ran yeah. upstairs screaming and crying. Because we were going to do the, the one chip challenge. We were still going to do it. So I bought these ghost pepper chips as, as, a, but that story as is an like entry level. What you did to my six-year-old with that ghost pepper chip earlier today. I told your six-year-old no. She says she'll never be able to taste her croissants ever again. Well, she did, she didn't, it didn't happen from the deacon. She trusts me. <laughs> and I prayed for her. So religion is to blame for prohibition. But you know who really tried to fight for alcohol? Priests and rabbis, because yeah. they were still allowed to. Well, have because alcohol. they didn't want uh, what happened on an everyday basis or on Sundays as they use wine in the church to become something that was considered illegal. And I know at this point, people are like, it's Doc and the Deacon. Is there any medical basis to this? And the answer is yes. In 1916, the American Medical Association stated that alcohol has no scientific basis. None. Zip. Zero. And you know what? And then alcohol became illegal. Okay. And doctors changed their minds. Doctors were allowed to prescribe alcohol. Wow. Yeah. If you came in, you could get a prescription for alcohol. You know what you need to That sounds have? like the same trip marijuana took. Kind of. You know, let me give you some diagnoses that would help you. Okay. If you had, uh, the doctors would give you Cancer. chest pain. Okay. If you had a stomach that was feeling a little bit off. Typhoid. Typhoid fever. Tuberculosis. Okay. High blood pressure. To stimulate digestion and sleep. Oh. You know how many of those it works for? Sleep. Yeah, it helps you fall asleep. Yeah. Probably. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't help you sleep well, right? They say most of the time. Oh, no. Your sleep is definitely not as good. You don't yeah. get into that deep sleep. But doctors were prescribing this all the time. At this point, there was a rumor that one doctor wrote 475 scripts for whiskey in one week. Let me ask a question. Oh, in one day. 475 scripts for whiskey in one day. In one day. The other day, last week, in the midst of the pandemic, I saw 28 people, and then I returned my phone calls, and I was exhausted. The fact that you could consider to see 475 people in one day, that's really hard to write those. Maybe he texted them all. <laughs> I don't know that that was the case. Actually, bootleggers started to buy scripts from doctors. Doctors would just sign their name to these scripts, and people would take them places. And medicinal... Alcohol was a really famous thing. It's actually been mentioned in The Great Gatsby. Hmm. Well, I think one of the things that uh, in the books that I've read, I was not alive during that time. And some of the movies that I've seen is this idea that there was so much uh, conspiracy because alcohol was big money. There was a lot of money backing the producers, the distributors, and all these things of alcohol. In fact, uh, you know, I've read stories about how they would raid places just to uh, to take their alcohol to give it to uh, people that were more well off already. You know who got really rich? Who from this? Charles Walgreen of Walgreens. Yeah, of Walgreens. He had twenty stores when Prohibition started, and by the end of Prohibition, there's a rumor that he had five hundred and twenty-five stores, and it was the best place to get. Alcohol from your doctor. Oh. They stock to whiskey. And whiskey cost a lot more than normal. And doctors would prescribe three to four to six ounces a day. 
And the price you had to pay was you had to come in and pay for your script, then you had to go pay for it. So really, it affected poor people and rich people were still able to drink. You know, in 1920, there were 11 million scripts for alcohol written. Wow. There were only 100 million Americans. So 10% of the people got at least one script. And what probably happened is, you know, 5% got a bunch of scripts. Yeah. And really, this was a big deal. They said the doctors walked around with flasks and shot glasses. And that's how they were treating people. The, the honest truth is, at this point, we really didn't have great medications, right? It wasn't until the 1940s that we got antibiotics. And so there weren't really great options. Uh, there certainly weren't uh, many vaccines back then. There were not. There were not. And there wasn't ivermectin. People weren't giving hydrochlorothiazide. <laughs> right. Hydroxychloroquine. But yeah, so doctors took advantage of this, prescribed a lot of medications. And looking back, it almost feels a little bit like the opiate epidemic or what we're trying to do now with marijuana. To be able to wean off of that yeah, and, and yeah. move into something. Yeah. I mean, at least now we have evidence-based medicine. But at that time, we literally, you would come in no matter what, and I'd be like, you need a little bit of whiskey. Well, because I, you know, data uh, was, was kept in a silo, right? It was, it was individual offices keeping their data, not sharing it. We didn't have computers. We didn't have the mechanisms to be able to share information as readily as we do now. So we couldn't you know, use tests the way we, that we do and get results the way that we do. And we see how quickly our medical community and science was able to, um, with the help of God, uh, come out and really... With the help of who? Of God. Oh, yeah. Address kind of... uh, the vaccines and the pandemic and things like that. Well, God is not who ended prohibition. FDR did. But what was that? Was that the New Deal? Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah. He did what he could to end prohibition. And I think the question comes to, you know, before prohibition happened, a lot of money that we got, up to 15% of the American revenue came from taxes on alcohol. Well, the Americans spent more than the government did on alcohol. Yes. Is that right? Well, uh, Americans also spent a lot on policing alcohol during this time. The amount that we spent policing alcohol was out of control. What happened is right before prohibition happened, the income tax amendment had happened. So we were able to get money from people and tax them in a different way. So we thought we could go without the money we were getting from this. Then we hit the recession and people are poor and we want to put people back to work. Yeah. And people realize this is a this is a terrible idea. More people are drinking anyway. There are thoughts that crime went up. Drug addiction, there are reports that it went up 44%. And a lot of this was black market violence. Was this the beginning of the gangs? Was this the beginning of Al Capone? Getting your hands on alcohol that no one else could get their hands on. Organized crime, trying to get things together to try to figure out how do we get alcohol to people that have money. There are certain areas from Detroit where people came down. Atlantic City was a famous place up from Mexico. But people were getting alcohol anywhere they could if they wanted it. Have you ever made a really good decision while you were on alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I'll tell you. Tell me. One night, after playing basketball, stopped at the <laughs> Eagle Bill Tavern, <laughs> we started telling stories <laughs> and decided we should record that Doc and the Deacon, the podcast. One of the best decisions we've ever made. I'll give you another one. Okay. Getting ready to go to dinner with my lovely wife. Yeah. I'm sitting there having a beer. These random people come in, a bunch of women who I know as patients. How? And one of them is married to a man. That's right. And I moved to the new area and I got out of my comfort zone and said, hey, 
Yeah. We should hang out sometime. Man, you had fantastic hair. <laughs> I remember. Had? <laughs> had? So, the honest truth is, we realized this was the wrong answer. And St. Louis had 50,000 barrels ready and waiting for the end of this. For the end of Prohibition. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so it gets decided that we are going to get rid of it. We are going to repeal. It is the first time that an amendment created a law that then had another amendment to repeal, to repeal the law. Yeah, and on December 5th, 1933, for economic reasons, we decided to repeal it. But you know what the truth is? Cirrhosis went down. Alcohol-related issues went down during Prohibition. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absenteeism, the reports, and it's hard to look, of people missing work prior to 1920 was about 10% of the time people miss work. Within two years after alcohol going away, it went down to 3%. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard of dryuary or dry January? Yeah, I did 12 days. Yeah. I mean, that is a lot of people start the new year and start off the month of January, uh, with a focus and an, and an intent on, on being alcohol-free so that they can reset their body, reset their goals uh, for that 31 days. What are your thoughts on something like that? Well, I think it's a great idea. I actually do not think alcohol is good for people. I don't know that I think it should be illegal. But alcohol overall does lead to people not being able to drive in a safe way. It leads to more arguments. I'm sure it does increase all of these concerns I had. I mean, Paul... In the Bible, talked about how how uh, drunkenness uh, was the equivalent of foolishness, and to not give in to drunkenness and make foolish decisions. Uh, there were times when they talked about, you know, having old wine, and you couldn't pour new wine into the sack of old wine or old wine into a new wine sack because of the way that it expanded and and, and would would change over time. Um, in the Old Testament, you know, we, we hear many stories about, you know, from, from David and uh, uh, Noah. I mean, midway through all of John, you can tell he's kind of drunk, reading the soul second half <laughs> of his chapters. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, John was... John, listen, 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 alcohol use disorder is a really complex thing. I've seen patients okay. that drink two times a year and both times get arrested. Mm. I've seen people that drink every day and never get arrested. Well, that drink every day and have the bottle in the paper bag and really don't have a life. And some of alcohol use disorder is really straightforward. One of the questions I ask people commonly is they always talk about cage. About cage. I ask people all the time, when is the last time you had a drink? If you can't remember the last time you didn't have a drink, or if you're at my visit and you've already started drinking for that day, automatically we need to have a further discussion. Okay. And then I try to go into, hey. What if it's Mardi Gras? <laughs> well, if it's Mardi Gras, that's okay. Okay. St. Patty Day's okay. Yeah. Tailgating, okay. Brunch, okay. Oh, do you see people on Sundays? <laughs> I do not see people on Sundays, but I do love to brunch. I mean, did you know that, you know, I know that pro- prohibition got repealed, but then later on in the South specifically, they started these uh, these blue laws. You've heard of the blue law? I have. You know where they still exist in many places. Where certain things could not take place on Sunday. You know, so that it was preserved for for Christians and worship. In fact, when I was growing up, most of the city that I lived in was not open on Sunday. There were very. Do you know that the town, the Jack Daniels, is uh, made in is a dry town. Really? Yeah. You can go and watch people there. You just can't drink it there. 
Now, I do like, I'll tell you, when we, when we go visit, so we just started going to visit uh, towns in New Jersey. They're called shore towns. And where we went last year. You mean you went down the shore? We went down the shore. You didn't go shore. to the shore. You went down the down shore. Down the shore. I go down, down the, the basement. I go down the shore. It's weird because the shore is east of here. So you're yeah. not really going down. You're right. just going east. That's right. But it is a little south. I so, mean, you know. Not whatever. Point Pleasant. Listen, I, the shore is not. Not Asbury Park. The shore is That's a north. place, not a thing. I don't think you can go down the shore. But we do go down the shore. And we go to a dry town. And I'll tell you what. Here's what I like. Um, I feel comfortable driving, right? Because I feel like there's not a lot of, uh, people out who are drinking and driving and things like that. If we had to go somewhere, yeah, it sounds, um, sounds terrible. It feels pretty safe and you yeah. can bring your own booze in. You just, there's no booze there to buy. Yeah. I'm, I'm aware that it's a, the wrong place. But I mean, go. I feel like, you know, the church, you know, came through and, and a lot of, Southern, a lot of Baptists. The church and, didn't want alcohol, yet they were allowed to have wine at church. Well, that was the, the Catholics and stuff. And, and then, you know, these blue laws have started to see. We've seen them fade away. And now, really, the only thing we're left with is um, is the last thing that Jesus gave us, which was the chicken sandwich. What do you mean the chicken sandwich? Because Chick-fil-A is still closed on Sunday. Wow. Do you ever think there's, well, I, yes, and I'm not a huge fan. I realize people love it. Do you think there's ever like someone that doesn't play football because football plays on Sunday? Um, I can tell you this, and this is honest. there's got to be less people at, at church on early Sunday on the later mass on when, Sundays. When my daughters first started in sports, uh, I was the guy who said my girls will not participate in sports on Sunday. It will be a family day. It will be a holy day. And then you said that for like four days. No, I said that until they were old enough to actually play those <laughs> sports, right? And then you get into the 10, 11, 12, 13 years old, and you see, man, it, I, I don't know how to not participate in those activities. But I, at the same time, I, and then I wonder, I, I do often think, have we let society dictate our beliefs as opposed to, um, you know, really standing firm. But the truth is, there's so many different avenues to be able to hear church, right? I don't have to just go to a building anymore. You know, one thing that pandemic did for us was give us a lot of ways to access information. More and more... um, You could listen to a podcast. More and more wonderful pastors provided content uh, through YouTube, through podcasts, through apps, you know, their, their churches have their own apps. Lots of churches uh, continue to grow and continue to almost franchise where they create a system that allows churches to be successful. You know, churches uh, probably fail more than restaurants in this country. Oh, I've been listening to a podcast about Mars Hill. Yeah. And this guy, Mark Driscoll, and he is not- I love Mark Driscoll. Oh, do you? I do. It's an anti-Mark Driscoll uh, podcast. Uh, you know, Mark Driscoll had brain cancer and... You know, he got fired from his own church, and they say for being an a-hole. Uh, well, uh, But needless to say, you know who saved us? Mark Driscoll and his wife have had their own, had their own issues and many times. Like, I, I, there's been a lot said about that. And I, I think the question you have to answer is, is, does Mark love Jesus and did he want, you know, the right things... And sometimes I think we get eaten up by the way society goes. And trust me, there is a component, just like with prohibition of cynicism and people trying to bring down 
those that they just don't agree with, right? Well, doctors at this time didn't necessarily do the right thing. We started prescribing alcohol at levels that were higher than we should have. Yeah. And I don't know if that was the right answer. Looking back, there weren't many other options to do, but I don't think we necessarily did the right thing. We are going to realize that going forward, FDR said on December 5th, 1933, after the amendment went in, he said, I think this would be a good day for a beer. Mm. I think today was a good day. Do you know how to make moonshine? Uh, you know, here's a funny story. You say you're a foodie. I'm a foodie. I, I, I know that moonshine is a difficult process. It requires a few different things. The first thing you have to have is a mash, right? So you create this with corn and grain. You create it in sugar. You create this mash under heat and with alcohol. And then it starts, it has to sit and start to ferment over time. A lot of times they use copper because of the way it conducts copper. heat. Yeah, copper in, for the cooking. The to way make it, moonshine? Yeah, the way it conducts heat, the way, it's, the way it holds heat. Um, and for a lot of the properties that it has, it's a, it's a great metal that evenly distributes heat. And it holds, it, it can be uh, subjected to high temperatures and, and stay strong. Um, so copper is a, a wonderful material and often used. You have to you have should a, drink a lot of copper. You have to have a tight. I'm just kidding. The, the deacon is talking about drinking copper. Does copper help us in the uh, in our body if we get copper or residuals of copper? You know, because people use cast iron in cooking a lot of times because it's a way to get iron back into your diet. Well, there is a condition called Wilson syndrome where you get too much copper and it can cause liver failure and Kaiser Fleischer rings around your eyes. And in someone in rare cases that has liver failure, we find this thing called Wilson's disease. And then you feel real smart because you found it. But you know what? I am glad... The that, first time I am glad that even though religion tried to take alcohol away, us doctors thought that, hey, maybe in moderation, this is the right answer. And then we prescribed alcohol to people, not in moderation. <laughs> well, the first time Megan came to Virginia to meet my family. Um, and the last time? Or did she ever meet them? No, she met him again, but yeah. she walked in. And, and my cousin, uh, my cousin Gene Bug was in the back and he's wearing Carhartt overalls with no shirt underneath. And, and, and his, uh, his brother-in-law, Kevin's back there. And they said, hey, this is your Yankee Democrat wife. They said, come on in here and get some shine. And they pulled out some, some strawberry shine wow. and some uh, apple pie shine. And I remember when Megan came back and, and, uh, and people said, well, where's Peter from? They said, he, she said, he's from the South. And they said, where? He said, she said, Virginia. And they said, that's not the South. And she said, well, you should go visit his family. I promise it's the <laughs> South. So, you know, but the, the reality is, you know, we prescribe, doctors prescribe medicine. Religion uses medicine, uh, uses alcohol uh, as a way to drink wine. Tells and, people to not drink alcohol, but then gives it to their, you In know. moderation, we believe everything can be doable. And the reality is, you know, because of this, I mean, a lot of great country songs came as a result of alcohol. One of my favorites, boy, Chris Stapleton, that guy could sing. And when he did a song with uh, Justin Timberlake a couple years ago, I think together, the doc and the deacon, we're like Chris Stapleton and Justin Timberlake of podcasts. Yeah, but I'm obviously the Justin Timberlake and you're the Chris Stapleton. All right, I'll, st- I'll start with Chris Stapleton. Here, here's, here's, here's how it goes. I can't drink you away. 
I've tried Jack, I've tried Jim, I've tried all of the friends. I can't drink you away. All these rocks, I can't swim out of the skin. I'm living insane. Now tell me, tell me, baby. Don't make a medicine for a heartbreak. Tell me, baby, ooh, yeah. Don't they make a medicine for a heartbreak? Ooh, my voice broke. And I can't drink, drink you away. I've tried Jack, Jack I've tried Jim, I've tried all of these friends. I can't drink you away. All these rocks, I can't swim. I just get living in. Two things you can count on. The doc is in. And the deacon speaks. I want you to check us out on TikTok, Doc and the Deacon. We just thanks to our new social media boss, babe expert, Bree S M B B E B. Holla! Our rapper franchise, yeah. Uh, our producer Tucker Butler, our and lovely lives, our wives, our lovely wives, our wives have given us lovely lives. And you know the other thing that I want to say thank you to. We don't often thank. I want to say thank you to the hops. Thank you to beer. Yeah. Because, you know, it was over a couple of ice cold beers sitting uh, at a bar one day that we were telling stories about the difference between religion and faith and and medicine. And uh, somebody overheard us and said, you guys are funny. And And we said, we know. We said, we know. I was like, yeah. And we said, you know, both places are very intimate settings for people to talk to us about different things they're dealing with in their lives. And a podcast was formed. So thank you. And, And if you have alcohol issues... Let's talk about it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because alcohol use disorder is a real thing. And, and we don't want to make light of the many people that deal with the affliction of addiction yeah. with alcohol and other parts of their life. But, but for me, a beer led to a friendship and a podcast and somehow us doing the push-up challenge on, on TikTok, TikTok today. With our SNBBED. You know it. Holla, peace. Excellent brain trust to market and brand this That's set in stone like the Ten Commandments This show gon' be around for infinite years I think we can all agree on ice cold beers 100% authentic, you can't fake it Often imitated, but never duplicated So knowledgeable, take a lot of facts in Now I'm coming to close it like a Raldis Chapman